0: Well, we are back with uh, part two of our album focus with and
1: about Dane Donahue. Uh, John, let's welcome Dane back to the Dane, show. Dane, welcome back. And it's an amazing coincidence that a week later, all three of us are wearing exactly the same outfit. I was just
2: going to say something about that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, hey, guys, I thought I changed. Do we want to, <laughs> you
0: know- I uh, I have a seven day laundry cycle,
2: so <laughs> it is what it is.
0: We're here on a Tuesday, and Tuesday is a hoy ploch. Oh, I mean a shirt. Oh, yeah. I can't say the <laughs> words because then the episode ends. Uh, All right. Um. Well, cool. Well, this. Uh. We're gonna be talking about side two uh, of the Dane Donahue record, the Dane Donahue experience. Yep. But before we do. We talked last week about some collabs that the two of you youngsters are doing, um, one of which is coming up sooner than later, and that is to benefit a very good cause. So going back to what we said last week about being the uh, master of the teas, um John, you two worked on a Christmas song. Tell us a little bit about the song, and then we'll talk maybe at a high level about what the project is that we are got in the works.
1: Well, I'll let you cover the project, but um, it's a Christmas-related project, and I wanted to do a Christmas tune this year. I'm actually possibly going to get a second one done, but my first concept was to take uh, the classic Silver Bells and sort of do it in a yacht rock fashion, sort of a uh, halftime shuffle groove to it. And... uh, As it evolved, it took on sort of a life where it just seemed like it made sense to have multiple singers singing on it as opposed to one lead vocalist. And that's when it dawned on me. Dane and I had started working on this stuff together, and I thought, what a perfect opportunity to have Dane sing the second verse and a bunch of ad-libs throughout the song as a way to, A, bring him in as part of this charitable giving that we're doing, but also... Start the process, since we're working on new music, let's start reintroducing Dane's voice to the world. New music, and uh, let's get the hype machine going, baby, and we're going to play a little of it, are we not? Yeah, so
0: this is Page 99, featuring Dane Donahue, and the song is Silver Bells? Indeed.
3: Strings of streetlights, even stoplights, blink a bright red and green As the shoppers rush home with their treasures Hear the snow crush, see the kids bunch This is Santa's big scene And above all this bustle, you hear silver bells, silver bells, silver bells It's Christmas time in the city
0: So what do you think of that? Yachty? What do I think yeah. of it? I think it's amazing, and I can't wait to hear the whole thing. Actually, I've heard yes. the whole thing, <laughs> but not everyone else has. That
2: good. Thank you for inviting me to that, you guys. I appreciate that. Thanks for inviting me to that project. It's
1: too late to back out now.
2: Right, right.
1: Yeah, and actually it
0: proves, <laughs> um, again, going to tease the new record or EP or whatever you put right. out here soon, Dane, with these awesome new songs, you can hear that the voice holds yep. up. And it's going to be Dane Donahue, uh, as you remember him. Uh, so that's really exciting to look forward to. Yes. And so the, the project, real quick, is um, remember we had uh, T.J. George and Vernon Porter on who did a charity project to raise money for victims of opioid right. abuse uh, for. A nonprofit started by TJ George called Demand Impact. And what they did last year was really incredible. They wrote a bunch of new songs and they went back into the um, – it's almost like they reached back into Yacht Rock's glory days and pulled out all of these megastars yeah. and said, Will you re-record a new song? Richard Page, Michael McDonald, Bill Champlin, Bill Medley, uh, Who Am I Missing?,
1: well, Tris plays the on them in Vernon, of course. Tris yeah, and Bode right?
0: and Vernon. Yeah. So just chock full of, of awesome yeah. talent. And put together a great record, great sounding record, released it. And all the uh, proceeds went to benefit, uh, to be a impact. Well, John and I were talking one day, uh, totally unrelated to that, at least at first, about maybe we should do, wouldn't it be great if we could do like a Christmas sampler CD? You know, remember when CDs yeah. were, and they'd grab various artists, and they'd throw it together. And I said, that would be cool if we could do that. Um, maybe with some contemporary Yacht Rock projects and artists like ourselves, Page 99 and August Red and Christian Kratz and TJ George. And if we could do that also in collaboration with the, our heroes and legends. Um, and we were managed to somehow pull this <laughs> off. And it was, John, it was your eye. I said, there's no way we could do this, All right. The labels are going to get involved. The licensing is going to be a nightmare. And just, you know, whenever you put money into something, yeah. it, it corrupts it. So, But you had the great idea, John, of... What? Doing this all for charity? Oh, yeah. You said what? Yeah, what if, what if we that. did this for TJ? Yeah. Yep. So, um, so that's what's coming. So, August Red has a track, page ninety nine, featuring Date Donahue. Could we tease out any of the other names? Should we?
1: Well, some big names. Well, uh, real quick, since we want to get back to the album, um, Chris Christian uh, got involved, and we know that he has a, a heart for God and a heart for charity. So, he has a lot of music that he has produced with big, big artists, and he has offered up some uh, of those masters. So we thank Chris and I tell you, there are going to be some big, big, big uh, names on this. And uh, that all goes back to Chris. So
0: thanks.
3: Oh
2: yeah.
1: And he
0: might have the deepest Rolodex in the entire world, uh, which we found out. So, (laughs) all right, well stay tuned for more that ladies and gentlemen is what you call a tease. Okay. So, back to the album and the matter at yes. hand. We are talking about Dane Donahue, 1978, this masterpiece. Uh, everyone who uh, becomes educated on Yacht Rock holds this up as one of the top 10, maybe top five albums of the entire genre. And uh, we're here joined
1: by Dane Donahue to talk through Side 2. So, welcome back, Dane. Hey, thank you, guys. Pleasure. So, Side 2, yeah, well, has a, to me, has a decidedly different vibe than Side 1. Now, we talked back that... Maybe one of the things that is about this album that maybe uh, hindered it taking off because the record label didn't exactly know what to do with it because, as we said on side one, there's some songs that maybe get a little country. There's some that's a little more pop, some that's this, that. Um, And so that, that diversity, which now, through the lens of looking back, I love that, listening to it. And I love working on new Mm. music with you where we can touch into both areas. But at the time, when you're trying to sell records to radio, it's not as easy to do that. So the reason I say that about Side 2 is that Side 1 kind of had a pure West Coast sort of vibe to it, maybe dipping into the Laurel Canyon sound. Side 2 is much more diverse, and that really starts off with the— Like the jazziness of uh, the first track. I don't know if we want to dive into that, but uh, Freedom, man, that is that intro. I do not know what's going on time signature wise there. I just know I need a jazz guy to tell me. Now
3: that Freedom's game hope you find everything's not the same would it be scary if you find that you're running you behind
2: yeah it's uh, you know it's, and it's even probably more so i mean if you look back uh that if if i were a, a record company AR person or a radio programmer and i'm listening to where will you go which sounds like a you know, complete country song for uh, yeah. old country back in the day. And then the next thing they, they play something like freedom with all the horns in it or something. Right. It is, it, it is confusing because it is such an eclectic mix of genres. Uh, but it was a lot of fun putting together, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was <laughs> freedom. I always think, uh, First thing that comes to mind in that is, is uh the great Ernie Watts and the sax mm. work saxophone work that he did on that on that and some other uh songs on side two. Uh that was a lot of fun putting together. That was a, a pure uh yacht Rocky LA recording there from
3: yeah, from start he's to on Soprano
2: on this one,
1: which you don't hear Ernie on Soprano that often, but uh, it's really cool to hear him on Soprano. Beautiful.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, the guy, he just.
0: I, that was what my one note about the song is Ernie Watts. He's got these multiple solo sections and kind of counter melodies throughout. Uh, yeah. They probably, I wonder if he ran the whole tune because he's he's, he's very omnipresent in it. Um, but I wanted to draw it. Listener's attention to minute twenty because you talk about the opening and the mood that it sets for side two. But you get to one twenty, and then it goes into this really interesting groove. Mm-hmm. And now that sort of. John, to your point, that sets the segue into okay. Now, this is what side two is going to be all about. It to me, I don't know how. Only if you examine each song like as a microcosm, I think do you see this like disparity between sounds and styles. Because if you just sit back and let yourself enjoy the record, to me, it all feels like it's cohesive. I don't
1: know why and how that's possible. I think so too. Uh, it, it's a very it's an adult listen because of the fact that it dips into all these things. But I, I do. I feel like it holds together. I absolutely do. And maybe it's just because
0: I I, I share uh, the uh, dual personality that Dane has, maybe because you know I love a good country strummer, right, right? But I love to slap and pop and
2: fuck okay. with the rhythm section too. So uh, yeah, and that's what we have here. So awesome. Well, thank you for keeping the personality to just dual, you know, instead of <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> No, but it's, it's an excellent point though, you know?
1: Yeah. You got some amazing lyric lines throughout this album, but the one that always catches me and just kind of gives me that little zing up the spine that dreams only seem to make you happy when they're far away. I'd love that line.
2: Yeah. That's uh some more, more of the, uh, the brilliant work of Mark Fisher, you know, he, uh, uh, and we can talk later in some other tracks about some of the lines that, that, uh, that he came up with, but, uh, yeah, it was excellent. We, we were, we were thrilled It fit right in.
0: I was just going to say, Dave, that's another thing that pulls through to your new material is that the lyrics are just really good. I was sitting there in the the playback getting chills about the song that you wrote. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about when you wrote it, but it was, it's going to be clearly evident where you wrote this and when you wrote it and why you wrote it in all of the lyrics of everything I've heard so far, just jump off the page at me. I'm like, this is good stuff.
2: Oh, thank you so much. You know, it's uh I think one of the thing uh songs you were referring to is uh, you, is Chinatown one of them you were referring to? I
1: think he's referring to Fair Enough, specifically the playback at the Detroit studio.
2: Yeah. Oh, Fair Enough, yeah. Fair enough. I
3: never There's nothing left for me to decide But before you go There's one thing I gotta know Do flowers still grow on the outside? Or do they just go somewhere and just die? I think I could live here on the inside the flowers still grow on the outside, all the girls on the East Coast are cut from a different cloth.
2: Yeah, that's uh, uh, interesting. Uh, and, and like I said, that, that that's one that that some people listen to and they they totally get it. Others go, "What are you talking <laughs> about here? Just it's just going in so many different directions." But it was just a feeling, and it it, it all came to me about like. Uh basically it's wrapped up in disguised in in a love song, and it's and it's basically that that uh I can survive here if I know you're okay there. Yep. You know, I mean I'll I'll do just fine here if I know you're okay. And that's basically what the whole song's about, about people you care about or love, that's on an outside, regardless where outside is, you know, uh outside of a relationship, outside of whatever or away from you, uh, you care about people and think about them. You want to know if they're doing okay and just say, don't worry about me. I'm fine here. Just as, as, I'll, I'll be fine as long as I know you're doing. Okay.
0: Mm. It's happening again. I'm getting the chills again. So we got to move on (laughs) Uh, before I tear up. Um, Yeah. All right. (laughs) All right, John, take us to track two, if you
1: don't mind. Well, yeah, we might uh, declare this one. If uh, Casablanca was the hit, this might be considered the second hit. This is definitely the one that I see people post frequently on uh, Yacht Rock uh, circles. And I think it's also on the Spotify Yacht Rock playlist. uh, So they know what they're talking about, at least in that sense. But this can't be seen. This is The Rocker.
0: and groovy, too. I, You know, it's
1: it's hot, but it's got some herky-jerkiness to it in a good way. Yeah, it's kind of got a little uh, wire choir on the intro, too. So do you remember how that went down, the leads at the beginning? Because I know that, that Graydon and Lukather are both credited, but it doesn't say what kind of guitar. And I know that at some point you in this album, Lukather plays acoustic. But what do you remember about the personnel on this song, Dane?
2: They, they were playing uh, electric guitars and the overdubs on that. They uh, were just locked into the groove of that. And uh, luckily for me on the vocal track, I, uh, uh, you know, was uh, had very good luck laying that down. So we had a pretty strong foundation with, uh, uh, you know, the part that Mike Piccaro played that that Jeff uh, D'Angelo had had written. Uh, So we had a pretty strong uh, bassy track, if you will, for that one. Uh, But, you know, again, lyrically, you know, it just was all falling together. Mark Fisher used to talk about this bar that we all knew about down in Columbus on High Street. And they always had these rock and roll bands playing in there. And he would walk out the back and people would walk out there to smoke. They'd probably smoke a cigarette more than likely, (laughs) I'm guessing. (laughs) But there was a traffic light down by the, the, the corner that every time. We go out there. It's green. The light was never red. Oh my gosh! When, the, when he would walk out, it's it. You know, and so I've, I've had to test the theory a few times. But actually, the light <laughs> never changed. And so that was like, you know, can't be seen. Smoking machine. <laughs> you know, so. can't be seen. That's where that came from, but but it all seemed to gel in the studio, uh, came together real well, and and I mean, right down to the guitars to Champlin and, and Kelly again doing the background vocals on that, mm. and uh, uh, that's one that I would like to at some point get a chance to remix because as I mentioned a little earlier or in last week's uh, podcast um, or side one of what we did here was Angel Transclair. Mm-hmm. Uh, an artist from New Orleans that was uh, signed to Epic Records for a while. Uh, she had uh, uh, sang a, a part on that that I'd like to bring up and hear a little bit loud mm, in that okay. song.
0: This is a, an example of a song, uh, <laughs> uh, again, of the, maybe the uh, unpredictable song structure. Very, so, You know, it's atypical, so you don't know where mm. it's going and that's what keeps it so interesting throughout. Um Let's go to, John, if you don't mind, Um, you know, at the beginning, we talked about all the different styles, and you just mentioned it again for Side B. I swear this could be Steely Dan-ish when you get to a minute 20 and you get to this section, which then takes the song in a jazzy direction. And then, John, back over to you. You like to talk about the Ernie Watts Flourish. Yes. yes, Is this an example of the Ernie Watts Entry Flourish? Well, we've got
1: that spacey bridge that sets it up first. And so then, then yeah. it's into Watts, and it's a classic Watts entrance. Then we've got the... Is that Graydon's guitar solo? Or is that Luke? I'm guessing. It sounds like Graydon to me. Yeah, okay.
2: Yes, it is.
0: Face Melter. Yeah. Yep, so you get vintage Graydon after vintage uh, uh, Ernie Watts. Yeah, you could end the album right there.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they were amazing. (laughs) You could
0: have. You said this was Mike Picaro on bass?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Yes. Because I just love... It goes into yet another groove... Uh, when you get to 235, it introduces this section. Hey. And that's how the tune finishes off. It's just, again, from a roadmap, it's like, this song, you never lose interest because you can never predict where it's going to go. And I think that's why first listen, you're like, what, what am I listening to? Right. But as the more you listen to it, the more you kind of make peace with all of that unpredictability you're like,
2: wow, is this good stuff. So well done. You baby. have to give accolades to, uh, to David gettru for, for a lot of that. He's, uh, he just was a brilliant musician and, uh, he, he came up with a lot of those things that, uh, and he loved the simpler stuff too, that when I would do like whatever happened or would do, uh, uh where will you go? As we talked about, but he, he could come up with some of those uh, those slick things where nobody knew where he was going and, and we, uh, we really worked hmm. together well on that stuff. It was a lot of fun. accolades to David for that stuff.
3: Well,
1: whatever happened to days when love came to you? That is the question.
3: Who knows how long I've loved you? Baby, you know just how long I will. Our love could blossom like an apple tree in April. Well, let's find out.
0: Dean, here we are. <laughs> the next track. Yeah.
2: To wondering that myself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever happened to the days when Yacht Rock featured in E Roads prominently?
3: <laughs> yeah, this song
0: does. <laughs> Is this the E? Do you remember? Was this the E Roads? I'm assuming Jay Graydon's in the house. Yeah, but he's
2: not producing. So that's true. I don't know. I, it's, it it kind of makes you wonder because all that equipment, I think a lot of it uh, came from SIR Studios, was the rental place the premier rental place and when someone needed something they they uh got it over to the studio so who knows
1: so this is the one that uh lukather on acoustic guitar left channel here right
2: Yeah, that was one. I, and I think I read somewhere, and I can't remember where, that uh, they were talking about some top solos on records. And Lukather was listed, they listed that song as one of Lukather's. When he came in, everyone was used to him doing all that powerful electric guitar stuff, which, yeah. you know, he did on the album as we talked the last cut. Uh, just, Just amazing. And I think I had. I think we had Jay Graden booked and there was a conflict with that. And, uh, Jay Winding came in and said, I was the first, I think that that might've been the first, uh, that first session we did with the Luther. Uh, but, uh, Jay said, or, uh, Jay Winding had said that, you know, you got to hear this guy mm-hmm. and you have to hear this guy. I said, yeah, but it's, uh, You know, it's an acoustic, you know, it's not like a real rock and roll thing. I I don't hear an electric guitar in this. And he came in and just absolutely, he just absolutely nailed it. And I remember playing it for Jay Graydon and Jay loved it too. Jay (laughs) went, wow.
0: Good call. Amazing. Yeah. Talk about uh, versatile too. Just like Jay
3: Graydon.
0: This song reminded me of um, something we talked about the last time we had you on originally. Um, You talked a little bit about, or Keith Berry, who wrote the narratively piece. Yeah. I'll put it in Keith's mouth since he's not here to defend himself. He described Mm -hmm. a situation where it seemed like producer Terrence Boylan was getting distracted and he was also concurrently working on his own album
2: in a different studio. Is that right? Do I have those loose details? Right. Yeah. Well, he had, uh, he had a couple albums he was working on. Yeah. But, uh, you know, who knows? There's a lot of, uh, LA goes, uh, LA was life in the fast lane, as they always said, a lot of different things going on. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, Boone and I had a little bit of a falling out at that time. And, uh, so he, I think basically he was just taking some time. Unfortunately, he was on Boona time, which was <laughs> a lot more time, a lot more time, you know, months, yeah. uh, you can't let that many months go by when you're in the middle of a project. So I think that's, that's probably what it was. He was just taking a little bit of time because he did come back. And, and uh, uh, finish mastering and and uh, mixing and all that good stuff.
0: The only reason I bring it up uh, is because I feel like this there's connectivity or connective tissue between the Terrence Boylan record in your album, and I think this song kind of typifies sounds that you hear on both. And so, John, I don't know if there's anything you can d- dig out of uh, the.
1: Uh, z- is it just called Terrence Boylan? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's... Well, oh, it's that, like, like hey, hey Papa or something like that. It definitely has yes. a, a similar sonics.
3: Hey Papa, I'm running your guns off The dry-toed children's and you better come They'll Get what they've done to your daughters and sons And bring the barrel
2: to the That great song, Hey Papa. Beautiful song. Uh,
0: this is one as well. This, Whatever Happened. I think this is now currently my favorite. Whereas last time we spoke, uh, Can't Be Seen was yeah. my current favorite. It's like a Steely Dan record where it just keeps changing. Yeah. Yeah. So, fun fact real quick we mentioned Keith uh, Barry. This is, he wanted to uh, title his article about you, Whatever Happened, to pay homage to the song. Mm-hmm. And then it became The Lost Prince of Yacht Rock. Well, we found The Lost Prince uh, and we're <laughs> reunited with him. And we're going to talk to him about a real funky track, which is up next.
1: Yeah, this song has multiple uh, layers of stories attached to it. We're going to, let's listen to first a little bit of Tracy. And then uh, I want to give you just a quick rundown. So according to the record, which we know isn't always accurate, uh, we got Jay Graydon, uh, Lukather, Ed Green on drums, Chuck Rainey on bass, and he's allowed to use his thumb, unlike uh, in Steely Dan, where they didn't like him using the thumb. And we got uh, Ernie Watts, Tom Kelly, and it has you credited on backups on this one, as we talked about. But there's also um, horns credited that uh, we don't hear a lot of. And I know uh, you want to talk about that. So tell us anything you want to talk about with uh, Tracy.
2: Well, that was probably uh, you know, just, uh, you know, I wasn't there when when Buna mixed that song uh, and got it ready. Uh, he, which, by the way, overall, the entire album, he did, I have to say, he did a fantastic job when he mixed that and they took it into mastering. But unfortunately, on that particular track, Jay Winding had written an absolute beautiful uh, sound, uh, horn track for that song and had some of the classic horn players. And a few of them are no longer with us, you know, play on that. I mean, these guys are legends in, in the industry. Um, uh, Slide Hyde, uh, Tom Saviano. Yeah. You know, the, uh, they, they were just great, but unfortunately the horns got a little bit buried in the mix. And I would like to at some point, that's one I would like to remix and bring the horns back up in that, especially in light of, uh, uh, you know, just talking to some people that uh, were protégés of these people, of uh, Slide Hyde, guys like that. And they, uh, uh, I think, I think they need to be heard as loud as we can get them because it was a great soundtrack or a great horn track and a great performance. I remember hearing it live in the studio. And it was awesome, and I want to bring it back to the forefront. I I
1: know that Tom wants us to take Chuck Rainey's part out and replace it with synth bass. Is that right, Tom? Uh,
0: Absolutely (laughs) not. I would strangle whoever did that with my bare hands. But it's funny you mentioned that, Dane, because my overall note on this album, and just in terms of the prism of yacht rock, there's only two things that's missing. A horde section, which it apparently had, and Jeff Beccaro. So I don't know where Jeff was. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that's, it's a surprising omission given the rest of the personnel and the, t- the time of year it was.
2: Yeah, Pocaro, he was amazing. It's, almo- it's almost Yacht Funk.
0: Yeah, Yacht Funk. Well, let's, since you, uh, I mean, the heresy that you just even considered there, John. Yes. Go to 235. Okay. And let's hear how the bass is syncing up with that funky keyboard part. It's just perfect. Oh, Yeah. yeah.
1: So who is on the key? Is that uh, that would be probably Jay then still, Jay Winding, correct? Oh, it's Jay Winding, yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. yeah, that's funky, man. Yeah. What's he
0: playing there?
2: He's playing a clavinet, I thought. Yeah. Clavinette, okay. I'm that's not really that's sure. Like. It's funky. Yeah, Chuck had Chuck actually asked me uh out in the control room before we started recording. He said, and I didn't know at the time about all the thumb stuff with Steely Dan, <laughs> uh, and you know that yeah. you know because he talked about that at length later yeah. on in some videos. But he'd asked me what I wanted in the song, and I just said, uh, I said it's real simple. The only thing I want is for you to inject a little bit of your personality in this song. That'll work just fine for me. And I walked away.
3: Mm. Oh,
2: and that's man. the part that he played you know well, he had, had listened to the demo uh, uh of jeff d'angelo and of course jeff at one time i can remember he was playing I think, I think it was either this song or might have been can't be seen he was playing 16 notes and Guthrie had to calm him down <laughs> a little bit uh we just told him we just said look if, if you just inject some of your personality it'll work fine and he did
0: Mm. Well, I'll tell you what, as Bill Champlin himself would say... That song is funkier than a three-day-old band-aid. It's
1: so funky that if it moves in next door, your lawn dies. (laughs) (laughs) We we are quoting Bill Champlin verbatim here. Those are actual (laughs) Bill Champlin quotes, yes.
0: Not all of them are repeatable on air, so we choose the ones that we can.
2: Oh, Bill. (laughs) Um,
0: The the only other thing I wanted to mention is we got another Screamer here by Ernie Watts, and I feel like they couldn't get David Sanborn, so they asked Ernie, try to sound like Sanborn on this. Let's hear a little of that.
1: lots of harmonics he's really aggressive in
2: that one isn't he yeah yeah
0: he's t- typically not no. Were you
2: there for any of that tracking oh yeah all of it yeah he was in fact, if i recall i think ernie laid out uh two or three of the tracks in one session i mean he came in and nailed one song and we're all sitting there going well can we can we cue up uh, the next one Five minutes later, he's got it, one done. <laughs>
0: Before I forget, Dane, because I had I made a note on this song, because we're almost to the end of the record, and I, it just dawned on me as I'm listening uh, the other day, is that how many songs get to like this really cool solo section, and then that's how the song ends, but it sort of fades... And as long as you're grabbing those old tapes, I want to hear everything that happened after the fade, <laughs> when the instruments started, you know, flexing their muscles and you know going for yeah. the le- broke at the end. So let's hear some of those if you can. Yeah, get it.
1: right. That's where some of the mistakes are, though. <laughs> hey,
2: sometimes <laughs> mistakes are good. Oh, I've got worse than that. I've I've actually got some cassette tapes where I mean, when we would do writing sessions with uh, Fisher and Getru, I'd set a, a you know just a regular boombox up with a cassette you know build in mic yep. and we would play it and i've i can remember when dave first started uh the beginnings of tracy you know
3: ba, 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 da, 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 da.
2: it sounded like a different song actually but uh yeah i'll get you some of those tapes
1: what well, do we want to uh look at the album closer this is a classic way to close an album should we hit it tom
0: yeah, because my first note is just an interesting way to open the tune. Again, all your songs have these wonderful opens, so let's hear that as we go into Congratulations.
1: Different vibe, almost like jazz quartet with woodwind orchestration, right?
2: Yeah, the horns.
0: Yeah, I called it uh, lounge
1: jazz. Yeah, lounge jazz.
0: So, yeah, <laughs> tell us how this song came on, uh, got into your head, and onto an album that's going to feature country rock as well.
2: Well, I mean, that's uh, again accolades to Dave Getter uh, coming coming across with the uh, the main ideas for all this stuff, and he, uh, you know just amazing uh, but, but the horns again we were deep into the horn uh, idea at that point i was so excited when those guys came in and i was listening to, to them play and I, I can't believe this got by the producer also but they got finished and we went gosh great job guys thank you so much you know uh because the song we'd gone back and forth you know i've recorded it in Woodstock with Jeff D'Angelo. I didn't like a little squeak that he had on the uh, uh, the bass that you can still hear in the track. And so I thought, well, that was the one we tried to record, re-record in L.A. with the members of the L.A. Express. And then when we went back to this one, got the horns. I got so excited, we sent them home, and I realized there was a part missing that they didn't play on. Oh. And we're like, you know, what do I do now? And so I ended up singing a single line vocal part to that. That's where we do the, ooh, 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 that little part in there.
3: Children are playing
2: all the It worked out okay, but I, I just, again, those classic, classic horn players. I mean, they are L.A. legends, were and are. And uh, I was very, very fortunate to have them, very fortunate.
1: I also think this song is one where Jeff really gets to shine, too, because he is doing a lot of the fill stuff in between lines that otherwise you might think a guitar player or horn player would be doing.
3: We were made to love Not really very much more. The world may be knocking at our door.
2: But we don't have to let up. No, no question. I mean that's why you've got that good producer ear there, John. You hear that stuff, yeah. Well, here's how a hack of a bass player describes it.
0: I love the Tasty Bass. It's in the pocket with some interesting runs, but only when it's called for. How'd I do? Oh, you should write for Rolling Stone, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but
0: I'm always writing about the interesting runs. Yes. Oof. Okay. Careful. Well, there's some nice flute in here. I, I just feel like going back to the way the album is about to close, um, just as interestingly as it opens. So... Let's listen to just how this song just kinda ends and that leaves the that the needles done. Let's hear it.
3: Congratulations.
1: Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations.
0: Did you have any input on the track order, the track listing order?
2: Yeah, I, pretty much. Uh, uh, we discussed that at length, I remember. Uh, and uh, they went along with it. They didn't seem to have a problem. Columbia, the yeah. A&R, yeah. didn't. It's very interesting. They can sometimes give you, especially after, <laughs> you know, after scrapping the first album, recording the, a lot of the second half without the producer there, I had them upset numerous times to say the least, Yeah, you know, but, uh, they went along with the order fairly much. So it was, it was, uh, you know, and I think, uh, it's still, I think it still holds up the order. I like the order that the songs are in.
1: I can't imagine it any other way. It really can't. It, I mean, Casablanca is the obvious starter and congratulations is the obvious ender. Uh, I have no, no argument with anything in between.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, as we mentioned too, I think freedom sets upside too and then introduces the, the, Jazzier, funkier stuff that's about to come. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. That's good point. Good point, Tom. So,
0: well, the whole album, I honestly is such a gem. It's so good. Um, congratulations on the million spins, by the way, on quote unquote the hit.
2: Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. And we appreciate you guys all you do and keeping the yacht rocking. We're so grateful for you guys. Well, we need you to keep the yacht
0: rocking. When can we expect (laughs) some sort of release on this new material that you're collaborating with, my brother?
2: Soon, I'm hoping here, you know, uh, hoping we can get to that. We're uh, kind of taking our time to trying to get it, get it uh, as good as we possibly can because we've got to. uh, That's one thing that John and I discussed at length. We said that uh, I've had multiple opportunities uh, in the last few years to go ahead and record other songs or make other releases, so on and so forth. But I just didn't, uh, I just didn't want to do anything without having it be consistent with the first album. Right. That was very important to me uh, to have uh, any recordings that I, that I do now uh, hold up with the same consistency for lack of a better word uh, as the first album. And I think we're, we're, Mm -hmm. we're getting close, close to that uh, you know, with some of the recordings that we've got. So hopefully that'll hold up. That's what interested me
1: about it in the first place was you know, not not just obviously because I have such an affinity for the first record, but because I want to make that kind of record that you want. Also, I don't I don't have to go into this and kind of do what you want, but begrudgingly. Or, you know, I can right. go with my convictions, knowing that it's, you know going to go down the path that you want it to go granted we have tweaks Mm -hmm. along the way and all that stuff but i don't have to feel like i have to run every little thing by you and we've we've got such a a connectivity and we want it to sound like 1980 or 79 whatever followed that album we want that we're not gonna we're not gonna change the sound We're, we're not gonna chase something new that's going on now even with the modern yacht thing happening we're not going right. to chase that. We're going to chase the sound of what Dane Donahue
2: is, period. I think we're getting there, too. I think we're, we've gotten yeah. uh, re- reasonably really close uh, to that in a few of the cuts.
0: As one of few people who have heard them, I can say that I think you are. And I still have somewhat of an ear left. So the only problem is, is it's taking you guys too
1: long. I'm so anxious to hear it's, it. That is the challenge. The challenge is do you do a full album or do you start getting stuff out there, Wow. People, you know, especially with this Christmas song coming out with Dane's voice on it. So that's a a constant question that that we talk about is trying to, you know, measure schedule versus reality versus the people's desire to have music. It's a lot going on there. So I I have a thought. Okay, I do have a thought. Gimme,
0: gimme, 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 gimme.
1: gimme.
2: (laughs) Come on, gimme, gimme. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we may we may end up going that route. We have talked about that, you know, so. We may end up uh, releasing a couple cuts sooner than later. We'll see what happens. We'll yep. see how it goes. Very noncommittal. I love it. All right.
1: Good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Thank you uh, for coming back, Dane. This is great. I'm glad we could Thank dive into this album with the artist himself. So until next time. That's it. Well, that was a thrill. Did you ever think we would be doing that when we first met
1: Dane, what, in April of 2021? No. I, I, you know, did we ever even talk about the concept of doing album focuses with the artists? I don't even think that crossed our playbook, did it? No, not until uh, I think you came up with the crazy idea with Tris and Bowden to do
0: High Adventure. Well, he was so nice and friendly. We thought he, if anybody's likely to say yes, it would have been him. <sighs> true, true. Well, that was good. Uh, when the second album ever comes out, maybe we'll do it again.
1: With you, he, and Dane. <laughs> it's funny. He has to uh, remember what happened 45 years ago. And if we go and uh, do a track-by-track on the album making now, a year from now, I probably won't remember. <laughs> but he probably will, so that's good. I'll let him do all the talking. All right.
0: Well, very good. On to the lightning round we go. All right. So...
1: Sorry. I had to let the uh, lightning flash hit. I didn't want to jump on its thunder. <laughs> Can you steal lightning's thunder? That's a good question. Very meta. I failed. So here we go. Lightning round. Float your boat. I think I get to go first this week. Is that correct? That is correct. Either way, this ties into last week's lightning round for me when I was uh, sent that stuff by Marino and we played a track that uh, this Swedish artist did in 2001 that had Bill Champlin on lead vocal. I was actually listening to the Larson Featon album, the first one. It occurred to me that even though no one else is credited as vocalists outside of the guys in the band, anytime I hear this song, Danger Zone, I swear he sounds like Champlin singing. So my float your boat question is going to be to you, do you hear Champlin in this, at least stylistically?
3: in my mind?
0: That it's crazy because it gets so close. At times you're convinced on like a single word that that is Champlin.
1: I know. I went and pulled out the record to look at the credits and say, is he guesting? Now, sometimes people sing on these records and because of uh, label obligations, they're not allowed to be listed. I don't know that that's even the case, but it just you know caught me by, wow, that really sounds like Champlin. Well, it definitely did to me. Okay. All right. So, uh, but it
0: does float my boat. You never bothered to ask me that. Okay. But does, it does it float your boat? Yes, okay. that's my boat. All right, let's well, I mean, talk about playing fast and loose with the rules here. <laughs> all right, well, my doesn't float your boat. Submission is uh, well within the boundaries of the rules. Okay. Last week, I presented to you a song from side A that was very country rock and Eagle sounding, and as we discussed, side two is a little more yachty, a little more funky R and B. So my question: now we swing the pendulum all the other, the, all the way to the other side. Do we pass through yacht rock and get to funk? Does Tracy? float your boat is yacht rock
3: yes or no Ooh, Tracy, don't you know
1: I think you're right. It does swing the pendulum all the way across, and it's right on the edge on that funk side. But I'm going to say yes, and a lot of that's because of personnel, probably. Uh, but it feels like, it doesn't feel like funk players playing funk. It feels like people with other sensibilities playing funk, other than the obvious of Chuck Rainey. But even Chuck Rainey is probably... You know, less known as a funk player than someone like Lewis Johnson or somebody like that.
0: I would agree. I would say if the pendulum were an anchor, it would kind of dip through the harbor. And then as you lifted it further, it would still have some particles and some water on it. So it's got the remnants of Yacht Rock.
1: (laughs) I got to cool down the bell there. (laughs) It's starting to glow. Hold on. Is it still working? Oh, okay. Um, So... The point
0: being, this record in general, if you look at last week and this week, what I'm trying to say is that sometimes it just is Yacht Rock, even if it doesn't feel and look and smell like Yacht Rock, and vice versa. Sometimes it should be in, but is isn't. Anyways. Okay, I like that. Before I get too uh, existential, let's move on to uh, Buried Treasure. Okay. Last week, you brought up the band Faith Band. Yeah. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Uh, What was your song that you submitted? Fool's Love, because they had the word fool in it. Okay. Well, interestingly enough, I've got a note here from listener Randy, who posted this song. And to me, it came across as like deep cut player. It got as high as number 79 on the billboard charts. Ooh. Not that big. Um, but one of the pe- uh, members, uh, John Caskella, Casella, um, later moved on from Faith Band to John Mellencamp's band Ooh. and played keyboards. Oh. So thought that was interesting. Anyway. What do you think of this one? I guess I'm asking you if it floats your boat. By very treasure <laughs> is You're My Weakness, Faith Band.
1: Yeah, if you didn't know better, you could think that that's a Michael McDonald tune coming at you. And except for the vocals, yeah. not quite there, but stylistically, that's what I hear.
0: And I heard the Deep Cut player again. Vocals oh, yeah. notwithstanding, but yeah, that's, yeah. Obviously, the Faith Band is uh, worthy of greater exploration. I guess so. Wait a minute. I think the uh, pun bell is broken. Exploration. There it is. Okay. I don't. I don't see why that's deserving of a ding. But you got um, it, explorers. So. You know, they would uh, travel uh, yeah. the seven seas and explore. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move right along we're running out of time yeah well, thank goodness your, your uh, buried treasure submission sir
1: well we had the opportunity on the second side to talk a little bit about lukather's playing and we've spent a lot of time on the solo that sort of got lukather noticed we talked about that one but the song in and of itself is also a buried treasure and that is boz skaggs is a clue from 1977
0: That is a buried treasure for me. I got to say, both buried and quite the treasure.
1: Liking that one. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, That brings you to Off the Map. What do you got? Off the Map, I've been revisiting the sort of later era Little River Band. By later era, I mean late 80s. So in the late mid to late 80s, Glenn Scharick, who had left the band, returned. They did a couple albums together. Uh, The second of those was the one that... Peter Beckett from Player was involved with, if you remember that, and he uh, did a tour with them and then ended up touring on and off with them, I guess, for several years, as it turns out. That album, 1990, is called Get Lucky, and this is definitely off the map, but this is a great, great track, and I urge people to go check out the album. This is Second Wind.
3: But I'm starting to feel much better.
1: Yeah, so that is, uh, don't ignore the later 80s. It de- I mean, it definitely sounds 80s. It definitely sounds mm-hmm. late 80s. But don't ignore it just because it's late 80s. It's still some good LRB happening. I've got a
0: lot of listening homework now. all Good of for certain. you. Yeah, good for you. You've actually brought your A game this week. Mm-hmm.
1: Why well, I, um, I had time to sort of practice?
0: Well, it didn't take nearly as long to
1: lift the record and flip it over as you thought. You, you know, think- I was able to get that done in moments, and then I had a week to work <laughs> on my lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's
0: end this lightning round with my okay.
1: um, off the map. Okay,
0: so yeah, I was kind of scrolling through this the other day, and I came to the bottom of my list, which is so long now, and I just come to the words that I had written down earlier. Any spirogyra? <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm thinking, man, is that a cop out? Well, <laughs> and I think I was going to just have you pick. something or Was that a question? Yeah, well, could could be, but um I think I was just going to have you pick something. So I erased it off my list, and then. The next day, I get a message from Listener Ed, Okay. and I can say his last name because it's common, but just so you know who it is, Listener Ed Stone ah, pops yeah. up out of nowhere to send me. He's like, hey, you used to like jazz. Do you like Spyro Gyra? Check out Catching the Sun.
1: Yes, that is like the, the other hit in my book. I think that was the follow-up album to Morning Dance, if I recall. And that was a great, great track. So uh, Yachty, no, but brilliant, yes. And you know, it fits well off the map. So it's in
0: my yacht jazz, I'll tell you that. Me too. So I guess I was right with my any spyrogyra yeah, prognostication. Of All course. Right. Cool. Well, to wrap us up, we are gonna go back into the uh go back to the tape, right? And we are going yeah. to see if it was serendipitous. Is that the word? No, not ser. Sur- sur- serendipitous. Ah. That I was wearing my officially licensed out of the main gear because we asked Dane Donahue himself to close out the show, and here's how this went. Um, last week when we had you on, we had you read the first word on my shirt,
1: which was easy enough, right? Mm. Yes. But now, now you got to get your glasses on.
0: Now, can you read? Can you read that word?
2: Ahoy, polloi. There There it is. is. We have our ending.